So <clears throat> in an hour and a half, I'm going to be interviewed for a podcast uh, where the topic is going to be about the different marketing strategies that I've used over the years. And specifically, it's for my Christmas tree farm. So it's geared towards farmers. But in thinking through my thoughts about this, I thought it might be helpful to try and work through them here in the hopes that some of them might be useful to you guys and that it would help me um, have some better thought through ideas to share than just winging it. So, at least for our farm, it is made complicated by the fact that we took over an existing farm. And so there was already a customer base and we weren't starting from zero. But our farm was in decline. And so for the first bunch of years, we were relying heavily on, um, on customer experience to create something that would generate, not word of mouth, but um, that they would recommend us to other people. And I think that was a, a powerful thing for something that's um, land-based like a farm, but also uh, event-based, like a Christmas tree farm, where it's something that you do once and you sort of are looking for a good place to do it this year. As part of creating a good experience, we were very thoughtful about both creating a sense of continuity with the previous owner and the farm as it had existed for 50 years, and also um, making sure that it felt like we were putting fresh energy into this thing. So our signage was carefully evoking the old signage uh, in, in color and, and in logo um, while not being exactly the same. And the name was the name that people had been calling it all along, even though that wasn't technically what it had been called. It had been called the Christmas Tree Farm in Ashfield, but uh, everyone called it the Pierpan Christmas Tree Farm, so that's what we called it. And <clears throat> we were very specific and thoughtful about how people were presented with us. We put money and effort into having all of our promotional materials match and share the logo and share color tones and all that. And we wanted them to look fairly different from our peers. When you arrive at the farm, we wanted it to evoke a certain feeling. So without being overly precious, we wanted it to evoke a feeling of Christmas and timelessness. And so all of the details from the shingles on the hut that slowly weather to that beautiful honey color to the red lantern that hangs outside when it gets dark 
to the color of the signs that are there to even the choices of how we chose to bridge this little stream. All of those things are, are meant to create a feeling. And then one of the things that we leaned into quite heavily was that our farm is not for everyone. And for people who want to walk down aisles of perfect-looking trees on mowed grass, that's not what we're offering. And I think that's perhaps the most important thing here is that we were offering a different sort of thing than almost all of our competitors. I wouldn't even call them competitors. Hey, come on. Stop barking and let's go. I wouldn't even call them competitors because... Uh, Frankly, they, what they were offering was just so different than what we are offering that if you want what we're offering, you wouldn't be happy with what they're offering. And, <clears throat> and so we're giving people who want a walk in the woods to get their tree a walk in the woods. And so... Getting that balance right of making it a walk in the woods but keeping it pleasant, making sure that the trails are brushed out enough that it feels fun to do it and not like you're pushing through something that's overgrown. That's the trick. It's easy to go too far in one direction, too far in the other direction. And maintaining that balance over the years has been the key. We've tried a bunch of paid advertising tried advertising on the local public radio that had no measurable effect um, we've tried having a presence at the local fall festival that ha doesn't seem to have any effect what seems to have an effect is having a website and having this word of mouth from friend to friend now if we were looking to expand and needed our name recognition to grow faster than it seems to be growing. Um, oh, and I should also say that having articles in the paper seems to have mm, a small effect, but not enough to be worth chasing. If we needed to expand faster, I think the thing that we could do... Um, that would be most effective would be actually having a Facebook account for the farm and, and using it to basically making it a place where people could recommend us to their friends and point to this Facebook page and say, look, here's the place and not trying to reach out. Well, maybe we would try to reach out and reach people, but just having, uh, making it that one step easier for people to share us with other people, I think would have the biggest effect. Now, let's bring this all now to the spoon carving business. Because the spoon carving business is different when it comes to creating demand. I think uh, the most important thing I did with the spoon carving business relatively early on was have it just be me as a person, not try to have it be a, a, 
a business that has a different name or a handle that has a different name. And I wonder if you're a farm or some other business, if just having it be your name would still be an effective ploy. There's a local coffee shop in town called Elmer's. And it's because Elmer used to have a dry goods store in this building back a hundred years ago. And it was called Elmer's. And I think it used to be common for people to have their businesses be their name. And maybe they'd have it have um, have it have a little more description of what they're doing as well. But I think um, it would stand out at this point to use your name as the name of the business um, because it's just different. And I think people remember what's different. And if you have some name like Wolf Spring Farm or something like that, that's just completely forgettable, even if it feels specific to you, it's not because it's not different from the pack. And I think that's, I think that's the thing is that fine balance of if you are looking to reach new people, it's that fine balance of being different enough to be memorable while at the same time being enough what they anticipate that they are willing to give you a try. Because relatively few people are neophytes who are looking for the new thing all the time. And many, many people just want what they, what they want, which is sort of the normal, but the good normal. And so I think the trick is, come on, Willa, stay with me. I think the trick is finding that balance where what you're doing is a little different and therefore memorable, but also, but also enough what's expected that people don't think, well, that might not be for me. So I actually think for many businesses, there's a strong case to be made for trying to do it under your name. If you look at many of the iconic brands, whether it's in cars or in luxury goods or in literally anything, supermarkets, so many of them are people's names. And I don't think that's an accident. I don't think it's just a throwback to... Um, I don't think that's a just a throwback to... Uh, what has happened historically sort of reaching forward into the present. I think we as humans are drawn to other humans and we use the identity of this person or that person to help us distinguish between brands. I know personal brand has become kind of a hot phrase lately, but what is Ford but a personal brand? Personal brand. 
what is uh, any number of these other brands that are just the person's name. <clears throat> and so I think that that's <clears throat> I think that that's an interesting play. And I think what that play allows you to do is to be honest about where you are and um, and the refreshing thing is that it works when you're just starting out and you're saying, look, it's just me. It's just a person. It's just, you know, let's bring it back to the farms for a second. <clears throat> if you're... If you're... The, the way you promoted the farm was by promoting yourself, that would immediately give you a compelling story. Whereas if your farm has a separate name, there's like this layer of aloofness that happens. That is not good when it comes to getting people to care about you. Um, and this is something that I actually think the Pierapan Christmas Tree Farm sort of bypasses by alluding to Al Pierapan and his name. <clears throat> that it is immediately paying respect to the guy who started it. And I think the nice thing about using your name to promote yourself is that as you grow, if you get to a place where it's more than just you, well, then you have the, the chops to back up having your name represent more than just you. Whereas what happens when you use a business name that is some other name is that at the beginning, when it's just you, it feels hollow, it feels slightly fake. Like you're trying to fake it till you make it. And then when it gets bigger, it feels like it's not truly you either because it's bigger and it doesn't have your name and it's and it it feels like the you as a person is not actually expressed in this thing potentially anymore i think people set themselves up for a real crisis when they do this <clears throat> now the other nice thing about using your own name for marketing purposes is that today's social media landscape is particularly well-suited to doing that. Because it is so well-designed to help us share our individual stories. It is far less well-suited to sharing company stories. There are very few companies that I know of that share share the company's stories well there's one coffee company that i found i can't remember the name and that just goes to show you that the name is not particularly helpful there's this one company coffee company that i found where i was really impressed with how they shared the story of their growers and the coffee industry and 
why they made the choices they made. And that was really well done. But it also clearly required tremendous skill and knowledge and finesse. Perhaps more so even than it would be to share a personal journey. And I think the vast majority of brands um, are simply tweaking our, our whatever system that's called that where you, where it's like subconscious. They're tweaking our subconscious systems of desire over and over and over again without building any real mm, any buy-in or any loyalty I will admit that I don't pay much attention to local farmers social media accounts when they are set up as the farm because it feels so impersonal if I know the farmer, I think to myself, well, that's not them, it's, you know, maybe it's them, but they're doing it, you know, for the farm. And if I don't know the farmer, I think, well, shoot, I just want to know this person. I don't want to pretend that they're this other thing. And I think we forget that. So, I think that's the bulk of what I want to talk about today on this podcast is 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 the ways in which the sort of fundamental framework that we establish in how we talk about ourselves shapes all of the marketing decisions that ripple outward from it. And and we have entered a landscape these days where because things are so transparent or can be and we have this sense that we know so much more about somebody without even meeting them because we share so much come on dogs that this creates a premium for a premium advantage on who can be the, the one that makes you feel like you know them? Who can be the one that feels authentic? Who can be the one that feels mm, approachable and like you're having a human-to-human interaction? And to the extent that we buffer ourselves from this reality with business names and and the sort of distance that comes with that the more we shut off the peer to peer networking, not even peer-to-peer, customer peer-to-peer, customer-to-customer networking that happens as they share 
an experience that they have. I think that's all I have to share about this. We'll see how the podcast goes. Thanks for humoring me, guys. Talk tomorrow.